it's uh, good to be back with you. I've come to you from Cardiff via West Wales. Um, I've got some of my colleagues here with me as well, Catherine and Suan. So if you want to ask anyone about um, student work in Cardiff, chat to them, because um, they will know all about it. Um, if you turn back with me to Song of Songs, chapter 3. What we're looking at is uh, a section of some Hebrew love poetry. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Hebrew love poetry is not really my thing. Um, I'm not doing it because I'm a big fan of love poetry. Um, but I want us to look at this because I think it's got uh, some marvelous things to teach us about the Lord Jesus. Um, we're going to look at it, and I've only got one question for you, really. Uh, it's the question that this woman uh, asks the watchman in, chapter th in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, uh, the end of that verse, where she says, Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Have you seen him? Uh, and I want to ask you that tonight. Uh, have you seen this one whom my soul loves? Um, and if you've seen him, what have you done with him? I want to ask you personally. Uh, I don't know many of you that well, and so I don't know what your background is. Perhaps you've just come to visit, uh, and if you have, then welcome. It's really great to have you here. Um, I'm sure the members of this church would extend that welcome to you as well. Um, it's good to have you here, and I want you to know that here there's something for you as well. Uh, this isn't just for the people who come here every week um, or who live in a certain way. There's a message here for you. Um, I want to ask you, have you ever seen it? Uh, do you know anything of Jesus Christ? And perhaps uh, some of you have been coming here for a long time. Um, you're not a visitor, but you don't know him. Um, maybe you've grown up in this church, and so you still come here just to keep your parents happy, uh, or you come here to keep your wife or your husband happy. I want to ask you genuinely, have you seen him? Um, do you know this Jesus Christ? And uh, maybe some of you have been coming here for so long that everyone else just assumes you're a Christian. Everyone else here just assumes that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you know you're not. Um, and it's just gone too far now. Well, I want to ask you, have you actually seen him? Uh, perhaps he's been presented to you time and time again, uh, but you've, you've turned him aside. You've put him off for another day. Uh, I want to ask you now to, to look to him. Uh, and maybe some of you, you have seen him. Uh, you, you've loved him, but you've grown cold. Perhaps you haven't looked to him in a very long time. Well, let me ask you again. Will you look to him? Uh, remember what it was like the first time you saw him. Uh, you saw what he was like. Will you look to him again? And, and perhaps those of you who, who have seen him and you still love him and you're burning with fire for the Lord, can I ask you to look to him? Surely I don't have to persuade you. You know how good it is. So for all of us here tonight, the same message is true. Can we look to Jesus Christ? I want to ask you if you've seen him. And we're going to look to him uh, specifically um, on a very special day. Um, but first I want to ask you, if you've seen him, or if you've even looked for him, where have you looked? I don't know. Uh, perhaps you know that there's this deep longing in your heart that... There's something, you know there's something who can satisfy you. Something or someone, but you just haven't found it. I want to ask you where you tried looking. This woman tries looking in three places. She, um, she starts on her bed. <laughs> Verse 1, on my bed by night, I looked for him whom my soul loves. 
the, the one I was longing for. I looked for him, but I didn't find him. You might think, well, you didn't look very hard. You didn't even get out of bed. But what's she really doing? Well, she's, she's lying at bed, in bed at night, and she's just going over and over and over in her mind. Is there anything that can satisfy this deep longing within me? Anything at all? She's, she's looking in all her, her dreams as she sleeps, or as she lies awake at night, and she's just going over and over and over, something that can sort my life out. And she finds absolutely nothing. Now, I don't know if uh, any of you know what it's like to have sleepless nights. There's people I care about very dearly who I know haven't slept for years properly because they're constantly going over in their minds, how can I just sort this out? Uh, how can I set this thing in place? Um, how can I make this right for my kids or my family? <laughs> how can I uh, make people think this of me? Um, how can I present this sort of reputation? And they find absolutely nothing. Uh, they're, they're desperately going over and over in their heads. And perhaps that's you tonight. Uh, perhaps you haven't slept well in years. Because uh, you lie awake at night thinking, if only there was something that could satisfy me, uh, make me feel good, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing. You've looked within, and you've been completely let down. And so this woman finds that she's let down, um, She's, she's looked for him, but she hasn't found him. And so she gets out of bed. Uh, verse 2, I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I found him not. She's found nothing looking within, so she just tries everywhere else. Uh, she's got no direction. Um, she doesn't know where she's going. She's just trying anything. This woman has, has tried the excessive eating. Um, she's tried the drink and the drugs. She's tried sleeping around. She's tried getting success in work. She's tried absolutely everything, and nothing's worked. Uh, she's just looked randomly wherever she can, and nothing has satisfied her. And so finally, she, she stumbles across these men. Um, these men are not perfect. We'll find out later in the book that, but um, they point her in the right direction, it seems. And that's all I hope to do tonight, is point you in the right direction. Um, don't look to me for all the answers. Um, don't look to Pastor Allen for all the answers or to try and sort your life out. I can't do it. He can't do it. No one can do it. Uh, but we can point you towards someone who can. And so this, this woman finally is pointed in the right direction. She's looked within and been completely let down. She's looked at everyone else. And that's let her down as well. And so finally she's pointed towards this one who can satisfy her. And maybe you have found him. When you found him, was your reaction what hers was? When I found him, I wouldn't let him go. I held him. I wouldn't let him go. Is that you? Have you found this savior, uh, this one who can satisfy your deepest longings, and you've been so caught up with him that you just cling on to him and won't let him go or have you let him go uh, have you put him aside have you been shown how good he is and you've considered him and you've said no thank you uh, you've gone years down the line perhaps and you've just let him go is that you well if that's you then there's hope for you tonight as well uh, you can come back to him and I'd urge you to come back to him 
Um, you've perhaps tried everywhere else. Nothing's good enough. And so we're going to look at this saviour. Uh, we're going to look to him on a very specific day. We're going to focus most of our thoughts in chapter 3, verse 11. Uh, let me read it to you again. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look upon King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. Uh, I want us to look to him on a very um, specific day. Let me set the scene for you, perhaps. Um, this king has gone out to battle. Um, the battle's been hard, uh, but he's come back victorious. And we see this king coming with the, the remnant of his soldiers. He comes back and he's won the battle. And there's this victory march we see. And we are encouraged to look at him, uh, to look at this king. He, he's king by right. Uh, he, he owns everything. He's king over his kingdom. Uh, Solomon inherited his kingdom. It was just his. He didn't do anything for it. He just got it. Uh, David, his father, was king, and so Solomon became king. And we've got a king who's king by right. Uh, he's king over not just all of Israel, but over whole, all the universe. Um, we've got a king who has inherited everything. Um, Solomon reigns over Israel. King Jesus reigns over everything. It's his by right. You know... Um, it's his because he made it. He owns everything in the universe because he's the one who made it. Perhaps you think you've got the right to make the, these decisions about your life, where you're going to look to be satisfied. You don't. He's got every right over you. He's king over you, completely. Uh, do you acknowledge this Jesus Christ as Lord over everything? Because he made everything. And in eternity past, the Father and the Son determined that they were going to make everything. And the father was so pleased with his son. He so loved his son that he wanted to make a perfect gift for him. And so he made the entire universe and gifted it to his son. And his son just has it. The Bible calls him the heir of all things. Everything is his by right. But more than that, uh, this king owns it because he's won it. It seems like a threat has come into Israel. Solomon is king there, but a threat has come in. And Solomon's had to go and fight them. Uh, he's done battle, and he's come back. And so it's not just his by right anymore. It's his because he's earned it. Uh, he's won it. He's redeemed it for himself. You know, here comes this king in his victory march. He's won his kingdom. Uh, he's returning from battle. You see that, behold, Solomon coming with 60 mighty men with him. But you know, one day we're going to see Jesus Christ come in. And the Bible says we won't see him with 60 mighty men. We'll see him with 10,000 of his holy ones. If this is good, if this is glorious, if this is worth looking at, that is so much more. Uh, there's a, a day coming when this king will return. Uh, he's gone to battle. He's won the victory. The battle has been done and he's defeated sin and death and hell forever. He's coming back. He's already started his victory march. As we sit here, 
in a little corner of Wales on a Sunday night, the King of Heaven is marching around heaven. He's done battle and he's won. And soon he'll return. And these men are skilled in battle, it says. Um, their swords have been put away on their thigh. They've done the battle. It's, it's been done already. Uh, from this fight, they return victorious. One day, this Jesus Christ, who has done battle, uh, will return victorious, and every knee to him will bow. Uh, we look to him as, as king over everything. Uh, everything is his by right, but everything is his because he's, he's won it. But how was this battle done? Well, you see, Solomon has fought some enemy. We're not told who. King Jesus has fought the enemy. Do you know there's an enemy of your souls who wants you dead? Um, he's the one who will tell you that um, looking within will help. Uh, he's the one who will tell you that looking at everything else in the world will help, will satisfy you. Uh, he's the one who will seem very appealing, who you'll want to follow, but he wants you dead. There's an enemy of your souls who wants nothing more than for you to go to death eternally, to spend your eternity in hell. But we need to look to a king, don't we, who's, who's conquered that enemy. Jesus has um, put him to open shame. And his fight has taken him all the way to the death, hasn't it? Um, he's, he's done battle, and the battle's been hard. He's fought him to the death, but even over death he's conquered. Uh, when we look to a cross, uh, we see a man hanging there, broken, messy, dirty, covered in blood, and he dies there. Uh, but when we look to a cross, we see the Savior of the world who's conquered. It's, it's through that that he's won. And through that, and dying and rising again, he's beaten even death forever. And so we're going to look at this king. Um, can I ask you to, to lift your eyes away from yourself for a minute uh, and lift your eyes away from what people here think of you and look at this king. He's, he's beautiful, he's glorious, and he loves you. But we're going to look specifically at his crown. Uh, you, you read that there? We're told to look at the crown with which his mother crowned him. It's bizarre. He's coming back with... Um, in a chariot made of silver and gold. Uh, there's big pillars of smoke coming up from him. It's a really magnificent sight. There's 60 mighty men around him, but we're meant to look at the little crown on his head. Now, we don't know exactly uh, what the crown is. It could be a royal crown, like our queen wears, just to show their rule. Um, it could be a special wedding headdress that's been given him on this particular day. Uh, we don't really know, but what we do know is that it's a crown given to him by his mother. Now, I don't know if you remember the story of Solomon. Um, perhaps you remember that his mother was a woman called Bathsheba. Um, we're told about Bathsheba that um, she was married to a man called Uriah, uh, but Uriah is not Solomon's dad. She's married to a man called Uriah, and Uriah is a soldier in David's army, and he's out. Um, fighting for king and country. And David goes out and he looks down at the roof of Uriah's house and he sees Uriah's wife in the bath. And he's absolutely amazed by her. 
And so he, he demands that she's brought to him. And he sleeps with her, and she gets pregnant. And David panics. Um, David's got to cover this up. So he calls back Uriah from the battle and says, Uriah, go with your wife. Have a break, boy. You fought hard. You've done well. Come back and have a break. But Uriah's a faithful soldier. He says, if my mates are out there fighting, I'm going to guard the king's door. And so David panics again. And with only one last option, he gives Uriah a letter to give to his commanding officer that says, send Uriah into the, the hottest part of the battle and just leave him there. Leave him for dead. Uriah is killed. Bathsheba has a child and the child dies. Now, we're not told an awful lot about Bathsheba's role in the whole event. Uh, we're told a lot more about David's role and rightly so. Um, he's the one who initiated it. Um, he's the one in the position of authority. Um, he's the one the Bible talks more about. Um, so we're right to talk more about that. But we're also not told in any part that Bathsheba's innocent. There's no indication that this happened against her will. Uh, she, she may well have just gone along with it. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch for you. Maybe um, you don't like that. But if she doesn't know exactly what sin is there she at least knows the effects of sin as a result of this sinful act her husband's dead her child is dead she's left with nothing but shame and regret but solomon is crowned with the crown that his mother crowned him with and he, he wears a crown that reminds him and reminds everyone who looks to him of his mother Here we see that a king returns and the glory of his crown is that he's associated with sinners. The victorious king of glory that we've looked at, he's glorious, he's beautiful, but he associates with sinners. The king, the one that your soul longs for, uh, the one that is a delight to the souls of all those who trust in him. He's holy and he's pure, but he's also willing to associate with sinners. In fact, the, the glory is that he's one who's willing to subject himself uh, to all the consequences of sin and to suffer in the place of sinners and to be united to them. Uh, you know, He's, he's holy and he's pure, but he's, he's willing to be found with dirty, rotten sinners like you and me. So when he, he lived on earth, he was called a friend of sinners. Uh, people said that to mock him. But isn't it true? Uh, he, he spent all his time with the down and outs of society, the worst of the worst, uh, the people who no one else wanted anything to do with, uh, the people who were too dirty even for other men, he spends time with. Uh, perhaps you think you've messed up and you're just too far from him. Uh, know this, that this, this king of glory, he's willing to associate with sinners. Uh, he's willing to have something to do with you. You know, later on, um, 
in the Bible, in the, the book of Isaiah, we'll see that he's numbered with the transgressors. He's, he's counted among sinners. Um, he hangs on a cross, a cross that was prepared for another thief. And he hangs amongst other thieves, terrorists, bad people. And he's counted among them. Uh, and he, he stands in the place of sinners. And, and the one who's crowned with glory has a crown of shame squashed into his head. Uh, he, he's there with soldiers all around him. He's beaten after death. They put a robe on his back, squeeze a th- crown of thorns on his head, and they mock him. Are you really this king? Uh, the king of heaven and earth, who at the very same time was holding those soldiers in his hands, was willing to subject himself to that and be mocked. Uh, we've got a, a king who's glorious, who's victorious, uh, who's battled and, and won for sinners. He, he owns everything. Everything is his by right. But still he's willing to be counted with sinners. Uh, he's counted with them. So he says that everything that is theirs is his. All their shame becomes his shame. All their guilt becomes his guilt. He dies on a cross bearing the guilt of sinners. Uh, and all his victory that he wins there, he gives to sinners. All their shame is his shame. All his victory is their victory. Because we look to him on a very specific day, don't we? We look to him on his wedding day. The king uh, is returning from battle to get married to this one who longs for him. He's fought for her. He's won her. And now he comes back to marry her. Look at the king. Uh, Look at the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding. Uh, The scene we've got is a a wedding scene. A king coming back and marrying the one who loves him. And at this wedding, like any other wedding, vows are exchanged. Perhaps they went a bit like this. Um, All that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. You um, The reformer Martin Luther told a story Um, about a king who's a good king. Uh, He's got a good reputation. He needs nothing. He he rules his people well. He's a fair king. And the other character is a prostitute. She's got uh, no money, no estate, no friends or family. All she's got is just shame. And uh, this king is walking through his kingdom and he sees this woman and there's nothing nice about her at all. He just loves her. And so he, he chooses to marry her. And on their wedding day, vows are exchanged. He, he says to her, all that I am, I give to you. All my goodness, all my reputation, all that I am is yours now. And on top of that, all that I have, I share with you. Uh, This vast kingdom is yours as well. Uh, Do you know one day, you're not just going to be counted as a servant in the house of God, but as a son. You'll be counted as as one with the Son of God. You'll reign with him over all creation. Here we've got him saying, all that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. And she says, all that I am, I give to you. But I'm nothing. I've got nothing to offer. 
Uh, All that I am is a dirty, broken mess. And all that I have, I share with you. All my guilt, all my shame, all my dodgy past, all of that I give to you. And willingly he takes it. At this wedding, the two become one. All that is hers is accounted to him. All that is his is accounted to her. Can I ask you, do you, do you long for that day? Uh, this isn't just a nice story or a nice poem. One day we'll see this king of glory coming back for his bride. And though these things are true of Christians already, one day we'll see them come into fruition. Uh, we'll see them. Uh, and it'll take over everything. Uh, one day your, your thoughts, even though perhaps they, they mess you up now, you'll think clearly. Uh, and you'll love the things that he loves when your heart is inclined to his heart, uh, your emotions which play tricks with you will love him as you should and you'll love all that he loves and hate all that he hates. And, and your body, here's a sobering thought for a Sunday night, your body right now is dying. Every moment you get a step closer to death, uh, you're just crumbling away. <laughs> Some of us more than others. But uh, one day, your body will be made perfect. Completely healed of all diseases, never to, to taste death again. Uh, and one day your soul, which has already been made clean, uh, which Jesus Christ by his blood has already washed forever, one day your soul will know just how clean it really is. And you'll see him as he is and you'll be made completely like him. Do you long for that day? Are you desperate for his return? When he returns and we see him as he is and, and we're made like him. But there's one more thing about this wedding that I think we need to um, consider. Uh, We've looked at him. We've looked at how wonderful he is. But I want us to think just for a minute where he's going to be looking on that day. I had the privilege um, a few weeks ago of being a best man at a wedding. And uh, my mate was getting married. And I'd been advised beforehand that at a wedding, apparently, you don't look at the bride as she comes down. Um, the aisle uh, you look at the groom's face so I'm there looking at my mate and he's weeping an absolute mess <laughs> and he smiles he's joyful on this day uh, he will be all the glory of that land uh, he'll be perfect and lovely and beautiful and rightly we'll look to him and praise him but he's going to look at his bride See what he says there? Um, Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. You are beautiful. Uh, This will be the day of the gladness of his heart. Uh, The day when he is joyful um, over his bride who he loves. The analogy falls apart a little bit um, because my mate was punching well above his weight. Um, This woman's got nothing. Uh, This bride's got nothing to offer at all. But he loves her all the same. The day of victory has already been secured. He's already done the battle and won. This is a day of joy. And he will look at his bride who uh, was once poor and dirty. And he'll say, behold, you are beautiful, my love. You are beautiful. You know, once for all, 
sin and all its ugliness will be removed forever. She was once a sinner, um, a good-for-nothing, broken prostitute with a, a heap of shame and a bad reputation. But one day, all that guilt and shame and ugliness will be banished forever. And all of it will be, be purged away, and you'll see her as beautiful. You know, the, the beauty that uh, we see in the Son of God, that same beauty will be clearly seen in us. Once for all, sin and all its ugliness is going to be removed forever. And he's going to say, chapter 4, verse 7, Behold, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. In every part, in every way, every single part of your being will be absolutely stunning. Every part of those that he's made clean will be clean. But let's look back to him. Can I ask you, have you seen him? Uh, I hate the fact that after church, the only comment I can make is, oh, they spoke well, or, oh, I didn't agree with that, or, can I ask you, please don't look at me now, or don't look at each other, and don't look at yourself, will you look at this Jesus? And, and will you praise him for all that he is? He's king of heaven and earth by right. Uh, but he humbled himself, even to the point of death, and suffered and died for sinners. Will you look at him? And, and will you look forward to that day when he'll return? And will you look to him now? You know, there's a, a story later on in this book that talks about this woman. She's in her house. And uh, the groom comes round and he knocks on the door. And she's so busy getting herself ready, uh, trying to make herself look good, that by the time she comes to the door, he's gone. You know, tonight perhaps Jesus Christ is knocking on the door of your heart. Uh, perhaps he's calling out to you, um, asking you to, to let him in. Uh, <laughs> and you're just too busy trying to get yourself ready. You might want to make yourself good enough. Trust me, you can't. Uh, there's an old hymn that says, if you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. Are you a sinner? In that case, you're qualified. He loves sinners. And not because they're sinful. He just loves them. And so if he's calling to you now, uh, perhaps it's for the, the first time, perhaps it's for the first time in a long time, will you let him in? Uh, before it's too late, before he stops calling, will you, will you let him in? Because one day he's coming back. And you know on that day there'll be no more chance. Uh, but that day can be a day of great joy for you. As you look to the one who's made you clean. Uh, or it can be a day of great suffering. Can I ask you to consider him and make that the most joyful day of your life? Let's, let's pray together. Oh, Father, we, uh, we thank you that uh, though you are the God over all the universe, uh, we are weak, pathetic sinners who've got uh, no right to come before you. We thank you that uh, in your mercy you've not stayed distant or kept yourself away from us, but you've drawn near to us. Uh, thank you that we can have access into your presence by the blood of Jesus. 
thank you that um, even though you are a holy God and anyone who looks at God should die, in the face of Jesus Christ, we see God. And thank you that we can look to him. Oh, Lord, help us to um, continue to look to him. We ask that we would see Jesus, uh, that we would know him better. We ask that we would uh, behold our God and that we would adore him. We pray then, Lord, that you continue with us. Bless us, we pray. Uh, draw near to us. Uh, we don't um, just want to sit here and have a good time. Uh, it's a waste of time if we do that. <laughs> Frankly, Lord, there's more fun to be had elsewhere. Uh, but we pray that we would find deep and lasting joy in you. We pray that we would share in that now. Bless us as we continue together for Christ's sake. Amen.